0: Before we begin our study tonight, would you pray with me? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, this weekend has a special name, it's called Shabbat Hagadol, the Great Shabbat. And one possible reason for the name is that the Haftorah from um, the prophet Malachi chapter three, the prophetic portion, speaks of the great day of the Lord on which the Messiah will appear. And there's another reason many synagogues have a tradition that on this particular Shabbat, the Shabbat before Pesach, the rabbi brings a long sermon, a a very long sermon. actually, I mean, a very, very, very long sermon hours and hours even in some synagogues. Well, We're going to go with the first reason to focus on Messiah, not the second reason. And I hope you can join me in reading the scriptures and also participating yourself by adding comments into the um, comment section of Facebook Live, if you're participating that way, or even if you're watching on Facebook later, you can add comments as you go. And to those of you that help by adding the scriptures, the, the scripture references, as well as the text from the scriptures, I wanna thank you. That's a great way of participating and it makes it easier for people who are uh, watching right now, who maybe are not as fast as you are in turning to the scriptures or writing things down it's a great way that you can add something of great value i want to start with just a few lines from the haftorah first from the prophet malachi chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 or um well you can look at it with me we're going to just look at these two verses. It says, look, I will send to you Eliyahu, or Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great, and in many English translations, this is the great and terrible day of Adonai. And where it says uh, terrible, the Hebrew word, hanorah, it speaks of something that's awesome. It does produce awe it's not terrible in the sense of a horror movie or just tragedy it's something altogether different it's it's hanorah it's it speaks of the awesomeness of god being revealed now for those who receive the lord it uh feels one way for those who don't it can be experienced a very different way but this traditionally in the jewish world refers to the coming of messiah So it's actually very interesting that that many Jewish people on this weekend are reading a Haftorah portion that they know points them to Elijah. And when we're thinking about Elijah, we think and connect with Messiah. This is a Jewish tradition. You mention Elijah, you Are supposed to connect with the thoughts about the coming of Messiah. So for Messianic Jews this is not just something that will happen in the distant future but this is something that has happened and will continue to happen as the Lord reveals himself in so many ways these days in our lifetime and also as he promises to return for an incredible time again here on earth. Now look at the next verse it it speaks about this time in the ministry of Elijah. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, the Lord says, I will come and strike the land with Complete destruction. So it's interesting. The coming of Messiah, the coming of Elijah and his ministry merge together, and they are supposed to have an incredible impact that will be um, something that we can take notice of and something that we can join in and participate with. It is the restoration of relationships, but inside of a family and when it says fathers it's it's using a word that could be translated parents or could be expanded to mothers and fathers he will turn the hearts of mothers and fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their mothers and fathers so i think there's an important part that has to do with the restoration of fatherhood but there's another part that has to do with the restoration of family relations, and good relations. And I want to encourage you at this time. Give your hearts to the Lord. Open up your hearts, not just to the Lord, but to your children and to your parents, to your greater family as well. This is a time for restoration. This is a time to focus on all that God wants to do through the life of faith. Well, I want to move to another passage that it, that really is useful for us as Messianic believers because it connects the writings of the apostles with the writings of the Torah. Because in the Torah portion this week, again, there is um, quite a bit of teaching about Sada'at, the uh leprosy, it's often translated, but it really is a spiritual issue. It's often associated with lashon hara, evil speech or evil tongue, and it required special ministry. It's not to be exclusively thought of as leprosy, the medical disease. It's to be thought in different terms, and it requires ministry that is spiritual, and discernment and recognition that's spiritual as well. So we're going to look at a passage Matthew chapter 8 and I want to encourage you to read along with me we're gonna look at Matthew 8 verses 1 through 17 and if you don't mind I am going to put my glasses on for a bit and I also want to put on a, a, a screen for me I like to have my Bible with me in many different forms and I one of the ways that I have it I'm going to show you it's on my if you can see it I don't know if it's going to work that well because of the contrast but it's on my iPhone and I have a number of bible versions that are on my phone that I can readily access and I really enjoy sometimes looking at my bible and reading from it and studying together with Sandy or and with others today I was studying with Sandy and we had just a fantastic time looking at this particular chapter together. And so I wanna encourage you to follow along with me. Now, I'm gonna be reading from the complete Jewish Bible and particularly from Matthew eight, which is also published as the Jewish New Testament. And it was a translation done by um, a wonderful friend of ours, Dr. David Stern, and he has put his, tried to capture Jewish essence in a modern Jewish way. And he uses um, Hebrew names and Yiddish names. Yiddish of course would not have been spoken during the time of Yeshua, but it, that connects with uh, Jewish people today. But I'll read to you from his from his translation. And I wanna encourage you to take time yourself when you are, um, alone or with your family during the week, even during the Shabbat, and read the scriptures out loud to each other. Listen as well together. And also take time to study together and to share with each other the things that touch your heart. Because what God uses uh, in that kind of study can be really useful for your family relations as well so let's start with Matthew chapter 8 starting in verse 1 the complete Jewish Bible this may be different than what you're familiar with certainly different from many other translations and I'll be um, I'll be amplifying it and maybe adding some comments as we're reading and so I encourage you to actively listen and take note if any if anything that we read touches you Please share that in the comment section on uh, Facebook. Let's let's read. After Yeshua had come down from the hill, large crowds followed him. And then a man afflicted with Sadaat came. That's often translated leprosy, but you know as I mentioned earlier it's not just the regular medical term it has um, a spiritual component to it this man came and he kneeled down in front of Yeshua and he said sir if you are willing can you make me clean and Yeshua reached out his hand and he touched him and he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And at once he was cleansed from his tzara'ah. And then Yeshua said to him, see that you tell no one, but as a testimony to the people, go and let the Kohen, the, the priest examine you and offer the sacrifice that Moshe commanded. And so Yeshua is pointing this man back to the priestly function who verifies and participates in the recognition of tzara'at and also the healing of tzara'at. And so Yeshua is saying to him, don't talk to people right now. Don't do anything except go back to the temple and find a Kohen and tell him what has happened it's really an interesting um, statement and what makes it even more interesting to me is he says then offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded and this sacrifice was a kind of thanksgiving sacrifice at this moment now let's go to verse five as Yeshua entered Kfar nachem or you know, it is an English Capernaum, but it really means the village of comfort. Gaffar Nachum. A Roman army officer came up to him and pleaded for help. Sir, my orderly is lying at home paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. And remember, of course, we're reading in English. The Roman officer was speaking to Yeshua, not in English. So he was either speaking in Hebrew in Aramaic in in Latin or something that they both understood. But interestingly, there, there's uh, there's a lot of history that indicates the book of Matthew was originally written in Hebrew and known to have been written in Hebrew, and then was translated later into Greek and into Latin and other forms. But this moment is really important. This Roman army officer says, sir, my orderly is lying at home. He's paralyzed. He's suffering terribly. And Yeshua said, I will go and heal him but the officer answered, sir, I'm unfit to have you come into my home. Why? Because he was a Gentile, and that's what he understood about relations between Jews and Gentiles, but also because he was a Roman army officer and they were occupiers. And so he was saying, I'm unfit to have you come into my home. Rather, if you will only give the command, my orderly will recover for I too am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, Yeshua hears this in verse 10. We see Yeshua's reaction. He was amazed. Now he said to the people following him, so he's he's speaking to the Jewish people who are gathered around him and he says, yes, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such trust moreover i tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of heaven with avraham yitzhak and yaakov this is to me a really fascinating passage and I, i i want to open up something to you this man um this this roman army officer comes to yeshua the the jew who he knows can speak a word and his servant will be healed he doesn't even have to uh physically come into the house he knows that yeshua has this ability and he mentions the way that authority works because he says i'm a man under authority and i have soldiers and i can tell them go and he does I, i can do all these things I can say these things, I can give an order, a simple order, come, go, do this. And the thing happens. The person who receives the command, who receives the order, the simple thing fulfills it. So he says, I know that's the way it works. And Yeshua says, I haven't found anyone in Israel with such trust. Now that's interesting, with such faith, or trust and and what yeshua is saying is not how amazing the military authority is of this roman army officer but rather that this roman army officer recognizes that the messiah yeshua can simply proclaim something and it will come into existence he can speak a word because Faith has been activated in this Roman army army officer. And he knows that if Yeshua will just do this, it will happen. It's, it's, It's such trust. And Yeshua is saying, wow, this Roman guy has more faith and more trust than a lot of us Jewish folk around here. In fact, I can't think of anybody around here who has this kind of faith. So that's a little provocative statement to say, don't you think, for Yeshua? And Yeshua was known to say provocative things, sometimes using hyperbole. It's not to be taken absolutely literally, but it's meant to provoke a response. And Yeshua goes on and says, Moreover, I tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to take their places, to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And so Yeshua is saying another thing that's provocative. It's not just Jewish people who will be at that banquet, at that feast in the heavenly time. A feast that the scriptures say the Lord himself will prepare. but two other important kinds of people are going to be there Um, number one people from the east and from the west i think that's a way in this case of saying people who weren't born jewish they're not jewish but they're coming from far away and they are going to be united with this other group and the other group um, is identified specifically as the patriarchs abraham isaac and jacob now that's also interesting because it's it's showing us something i think that the feast in the kingdom of heaven includes abraham isaac and jacob it will include gentiles who have faith and it tells us something about god's salvation about his power to work and that god is able to save those who lived before the time of Yeshua. He is able to recognize those who were, who could see the Lord enough that they lived by faith Abraham lived by faith that was counted to him as righteousness that faith is not doctrinal it is a relational trust and Yeshua is saying you know Abraham Isaac and Jacob are going to be at the feast now this I think is very important for people who have like this hard demarcation that's that maybe boxes God in a bit now, I wanna be clear about something. You can believe that, as I do, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were men of faith, that they trusted God, and that they will be at the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's what I think. I, I do believe that the scriptures um, confirmed that they were men of faith. And in some way, the, the way that God revealed himself to them, showed the nature of God and the love of God in such a specific way that they trusted him in all things and all ways, that they trusted his revelation, they trusted his salvation. And to me, it's it's really an amazing thing that the patriarchs were trusting the same Lord that I, as a Messianic Jew today, am trusting. For me, I have the, the. I have an easier task in one way because I can read the scriptures. I can learn from others. I can study, I can pray, but I already know that there is a Messiah. I know that now. And so I have the benefit that, um, maybe abraham isaac and jacob didn't fully know that his name would be yeshua or that when he would be take on a human body and so forth but they knew something about him enough that i think yeshua would recognize them and they would recognize him now this part is important what i what i want to share with you there are some people who distort the kinds of things that I was just saying to make them into something altogether different. For instance, to say that um, we shouldn't bring the good news of Messiah to Jewish people because they don't need the good news. We don't need the good news. But I disagree with that. I think that we not only need the good news, we need to bring the good news as Jews. I, as a, as a Jew, as someone descended from the tribe of Levi, as a, as a Levite, as Jewish on my mother's side and my father's side, I, I received the good news and it made a difference to me. It wasn't easy. It was challenging. But I want to tell you this. I am unequivocally clear in my own mind and my own heart that every Jewish person like myself who has become a Messianic Jewish believer and has learned to reconcile his Jewishness and his faith in Messiah, every one of us is thankful that we heard the good news. Now we may not be thankful about how we heard the good news. I heard it from some people who really didn't have good news. I heard some people who were they They did proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah, but at the same time, they proclaimed what I call the bad news to Jewish people. and it was basically the news that all Jews are guilty all all Jews are responsible for the uh, crucifixion of of jesus and that all jews are going to hell that kind of attitude that is not the proclamation of the good news that's just a a provocation it'll provoke jewish people not to jealousy it'll just provoke us and many times that type of um hostile presentation is is not authentic the way yeshua means The good news to be presented and it actually hardens Jewish hearts and it actually closes Jewish hearts. I'm thankful for people who learned to share in a different way. And I want to encourage you if your heart is loving towards real jewish people not theoretical jews towards jews who are alive not just jews who are dead you know from times past but if your heart is really open towards jewish people who who are who are regular people but have jewish life and identity and if you share the good news and a jewish person receives that they'll thank you for that We will be grateful for that. So don't ever let anyone tell you that believers in Messiah should not share the good news. Now, there are some people who would say something a little different, and that is many people who try to bring the good news to the Jewish people are totally um, counterproductive and worse because of ignorance, insensitivity, arrogance, many other things. Um, Paul identifies ignorance and arrogance as two particular challenges um, for Gentiles in the book of Romans. It's important to to overcome both of those. But it's also important as a Jewish person to overcome ignorance and arrogance too. Because these two things can cause us to be unable to interact with people in an appropriate <clears throat> and authentic way so i'm absolutely amazed that in this particular portion we're reading about um, the banquet in the kingdom of heaven and abraham isaac and jacob are there that is also a way of of stirring up the the jewish people who are there who are trying to make sense out of the fact that yeshua is speaking so well about this roman army officer and even brings healing to his uh the officer's orderly so he's speaking well and he's extolling his faith and his trust and he's saying you know I haven't seen this in our Jewish people and then he says something about these gentiles also participating in the um the great feast in heaven with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and of course with Yeshua. And so it doesn't really fit into the boxes that people like to use to put God in. It, it doesn't fit in and it's provocative. It's meant to stir up the way people think and to be challenging. Now let's keep going. Verse 12. For those born for the kingdom will be thrown outside in the dark where people will wail and grind their teeth. Whew! Wow. That's a a challenge. Yeshua is saying there are people who were born uh, into believing families, and so they have a heritage and even an ethnic heritage and a promise for the Jewish people, but they won't necessarily go to that banquet because it's not the family that you were born into. It requires your own trust. That's why Yeshua keeps provoking that. And then verse 13, then Yeshua said to the officer, go, let it be for you as you have trusted, as you have faith or according to your faith in some translations. And his orderly was healed at that very moment. And to me, this is just so incredible. Yeshua keeps underlining the key issue. It's faith and trust. It's a relationship. It's not a doctrine, but it generates a doctrine when it's when the relationship is correct it generates a teaching and clarity that can be conveyed and many jewish people who come to the lord many gentiles for that matter who come to the lord not through some supernatural um experience or visitation like some of us have had, but through teaching and through reasonable discussion and dialogue and questions and so forth, many different ways that people can come to know Yeshua. And Yeshua here is underlining that faith and trust are essential. And at the same time, there's a miracle of healing going on because that's his nature. Now, some people forget how diversely God can work and they focus on one thing. They put God in a box, to be honest with you. And they say that it will be through signs and wonders and miracles alone that all people in the future will be coming to the lord or especially the jewish people or this or that and for some of us that is true but not for everybody and in fact sometimes we can read in the scriptures that signs and wonders can be performed healing can take place miracles can take place and the heart remains unchanged and the person still has to deal with the turning of their heart to the Lord. And it doesn't just happen because of a miracle. It also requires that the heart be open, that the attitude be open, that the mind be open. Everything in one way or another needs to be touched and can be touched. So let's not put God in a box and let's keep being open to discovering the mercy of God and the love of God well let's go on it says that the uh the man was healed at that very moment then verse 14 Yeshua went to Kepha's house Kepha Simon Peter Shimon and there saw Kepha's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever and he touched her hand, the fever left her, and she got up and began helping him. So here you have the, the essence of mishpocha that permeates the ministry of Yeshua and the connection with his disciples. And, and Yeshua has earlier ministered to strangers, but now he's focusing on the mother Of Peter of Kepha and he comes to her he takes time he comes to her and he heals her and she begins helping him and and that's her response with her healing she begins to serve the Lord now let's go to verse 16 which I think is both interesting challenging and uh, also provocative when evening came many people held in the power of demons were brought to Yeshua and he expelled the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. And in some cases, both happened to one person, I believe. In some cases, one happened, uh, the casting out of spirits, and in other cases, healing happened. It can be understood that way. Verse 17, and this was done to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah, or Yeshua, he himself took our weaknesses and bore our diseases. And that's a uh, citation from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, which is very important. And it says, he himself took our weaknesses and bore our diseases, he himself. That, you see, this is one of the interesting statements in the... Hebrew prophets and the Jewish prophets who wrote uh, and passed on the Hebrew scriptures to us. It speaks in chapter 53 of the coming of Messiah, not Israel the Messiah, but the person who is the Messiah, who is of Israel, but it's not about something general, it's about a very specific person who happens to be Yeshua, he himself took our weaknesses and he bore our diseases you see god came down to save and to rescue and he took on human form he took on a human body in order to become our kinsman redeemer and he became one of us like us so that We could become more like him and receive his mercy and his love. But I want to tell you, you can't put God in a box. He will do um, some things that you know and that you expect, but there's a lot that we can't know or don't know. There's a lot we do know about the Lord but we can't box him in. He will do things according to his sovereign will. That's his nature. And I think it's a mistake to think that we can tell God what to do, or we can say, this is exactly how God works. I mean, there are times when we can say that, but let me tell you this, God can rule through his sovereign authority. Don't ever try to boss God. Don't try to be God's boss. Don't try to put yourself in a position where you are overruling the Lord. Don't use the scriptures to do that. Don't tell God he's got to do it this way. He's got to do it that way. God retains sovereignty. His character, his nature is consistent. That's true. But he will do some unprecedented things or some things in ways that surprise you. He will do it his way and we have to learn his ways. And one of his ways is he'll do some things in surprising ways. And everybody who has put their trust in Yeshua has had this experience where you are absolutely sure God's got to work a certain way, and he doesn't work that way. He works another way because he retains his sovereignty. Now, there was a Jewish tradition that Messiah would be a leper um, because of some of the things that are said in Isaiah 53 about him not being uh comely or beautiful and we weren't attracted to him and and he was um smitten and stricken and we hid our eyes from him and so some people um there some people know this Jewish tradition that Messiah would be a, a leper but there was another Jewish tradition that Messiah would heal lepers And so I want to connect with that as a way of sort of wrapping all this up. When the disciples of what we know in America as John the Baptist, he wasn't a Baptist, by the way, he was still a Jew. Yohanan, John, those disciples of his came to Yeshua to find out if he was the Messiah. And so they asked some questions. Are are you this one? Or do we need to keep looking and keep waiting? And in Luke chapter seven, verse 22, Yeshua answers these who were sent to him. And he says, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor the leper is cleansed leprosy is cleansed you see that's part of that jewish tradition that messiah would heal the lepers and yeshua quotes this understanding he refers to this understanding and tell them what you've seen tell them what you've heard don't don't make it complicated just say these things this is what's happened and john will know from that now going back to matthew 8 about the healings and the comment about these these healings in these uh, this deliverance that Yeshua ministered in Matthew eight seventeen, It says, this was done to fulfill or to bring into fullness what had been so spoken through the prophet Yeshiel, Isaiah. He himself took our weaknesses and he bore our diseases. He took them upon himself. But take notice of this. He did all these things before he was crucified. It's interesting. The nature of God was unchanged. The acts of God in time, in history, in this material world had not all been accomplished. Yeshua became an atoning sacrifice. Why? Because he was becoming a kinsman redeemer. It all had a purpose, but his nature was still the same, the God of Abraham is the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and he is the one who has saved and he is the one who has promised redemption to our Jewish people, and he is the one who has given us this new understanding, the Britta Harishad, the understanding of the new covenant, that the renewal of the covenant, will be connected to something that touches the heart and touches the mind, not just external, commands, but a real change of heart that happens from the inside out. How does it happen? It happens through our trusting relationship with Messiah. It happens through our growth in our relationship with him, confessing him, being clear, saying with our mouth, not hedging or hawing, well, he could be, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, not, um, not pretending, but actually living a life of faith and faithfulness, trusting the Lord and sharing the good news with other people and bringing ministries of mercy, bringing proclamations, bringing uh, good relations and acts of kindness and truth-telling to everyone, Jew and Gentile together. So remember, Messiah is Goel. He's the kinsman redeemer. He's a member of the family who rescues. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows our struggles and he's taken all upon himself and he's borne penalty for us. This is what the crucifixion is about is he bore the penalty that we deserve, the death, that, that we deserve because of our own rebellion against God. And he paid a price so that instead of the penalty, we would be reconciled to God. And he becomes a high priest, but he also becomes the sacrifice. It's an amazing story that can keep you absorbed for hours and hours. We won't do any more tonight though. That's enough for tonight. Even though Shabbat Hagadol is today, we're not gonna go for hours and hours, but you can continue to read and study yourself. Well, I want to encourage you to keep your eyes fixed on Yeshua. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on Yeshua, and we're going to keep learning to be more and more like him. We're going to learn to serve him in a way that brings his goodness into this broken world, his light, and will be clear and true. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your empathy. Thank you, Lord, for your sympathy, for your compassion and your mercy. Lord, help us. Grow in all these qualities so that our service to others, Lord, will reveal your goodness. And we pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. In, in a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing. After that, we'll have a closing worship song with the roses. But first, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you if Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue in Jacksonville, Florida is a blessing to you. Would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found. bethisraelnow.com slash giving on that one simple page. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Ye varechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha. Ye Adonai panavelecha v'yaseymlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you and protect you and watch over you may the lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and may he be gracious to you with all of his favor may the lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom in messiah yeshua we pray amen so we're going to we're going to close now and i want to tell you from sandy and me and the entire beth israel team thanks for joining us